Amen. We've come here this morning, folks, and we have the tremendous privilege that we can come into the presence of God who is holy, holy, holy. Amen. Amen. Brother King, would you open us in prayer, please? Most gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning again. We just thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to gather here in thy house. Lord, we can hear thy word preached. Lord, help us to gain wisdom and knowledge. Heavenly Father, we ask you to be with all those that are sick and afflicted. And Lord, as Brother Lance preached this morning in our Sunday schools, Lord, we ask you for a revival in this yes, building, Lord. It would start in the hearts of the people, Lord, and spread. We just ask you to continue to be with him as he teaches with us. And Lord, help us all that we will gain wisdom and knowledge. And Lord, we pray for the word wherever it is preached this day, yes. all over the world. That have, that have thy desired effects upon the hearts of the people. Yes. Lord, that the lost would hear and their eyes would be open. Lord, that they could see and believe in thee. And be with us as we go forth. Come down today and be with us here in this building, Lord. And rest upon each and every one. Give them a special blessing for coming to thy house, Lord. Yes. We ask this in the name of Jesus. And it's through his precious blood we lay these saints before you. Amen. 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 You can be seated, folks. Well, we want to welcome everybody here today. It's so good to see all of you here. If you're visiting here for the first time, we want you to know that we're glad you're here and that we've been praying for you. And uh, we've, we're also glad that uh, uh, Brother Gary and uh, Cheryl and Brenda are back. Brother Gary, we were thinking about taking your name off the membership. You've been gone long enough. But... We're most bitter that it's you're here and you were in Florida and you had all that warm weather and it's not warm here yet today. We thought you were going to bring some of that back with you. But... Oh, okay, okay. Well, it's good to see you guys back here this morning. It's so good to, to be able to gather and to worship with all of you here today. A few announcements that we have. Uh, first of all, Praise the Lord. Brother John uh, Sutler has finished his treatments. Amen. Uh, I believe he finished those on Wednesday, and so he's still got a, uh, a road to recovery ahead of him. I think the doctor said it would take him at least a few weeks to get the feeling better after all of the, the, the chemo and, and uh, treatments that he's had. But he uh, has come out the other side, so bless God uh, for helping him with that. Uh, Brother Jim Owens is home from the hospital. Praise the Lord for that. And... Um, uh, I, I do have to share with you that Brother Barry Arnold has been sent home from the hospital with hospice. And um, they are, he and Sister Elaine are planning to come back to Ohio if he's able. I haven't heard if that's going to happen for sure, but his desire is to come back home to Ohio. So we might get an opportunity uh, to see him here yet. Please continue to pray. For their family, I had a good conversation with with Brother Barry, and and like a lot of people that I've talked to in, in that situation, Brother Barry knows the Lord. He's not he's not concerned about uh, about his crossing. He's he's just concerned about his family, and oftentimes we are. I reminded him that the Lord who's been caring for them all of this time will continue to care for them, and I also told him that our church family will help care for his family. And uh, we, we intend to do that. But just please continue to pray uh, for them if you would. Saturday, April the 9th, that's coming up here a week from yesterday, there'll be a shoebox sorting here at the church uh, at the pavilion at 9 a.m. If you're able to come and help serve, they're going to uh, sort through some of the donations and, and get things uh, a little bit more prepared for the shoebox ministry. 
The following Sunday is Easter Sunday, April the 17th, and we're going to have a sunrise service here at the church that morning at 7 a.m., and, uh, and then we'll gather on the hill afterwards to have a potluck-style breakfast, and we want to invite all of you, if you're able to come, uh, bring, a, bring a covered dish, preferably with something in it. If you'd like help to know what to put in it, see me after the service, and, and uh, I can help you fill that in. In it, but it'll probably include some type of grape. So if you just want a little, a uh, little tidbit there. Um, church unity service. By the way, this is not in the bulletin, but the evening service will be canceled on Easter, uh, so folks can fellowship with their families. Church unity service with Victory will be April the 24th this month. Well, it's with Victory in, in Allen Creek, but we'll be at Victory uh, this month there in Marengo at 6 p.m. And then looking ahead into early May, the Mothers and Others Banquet will be May the 7th at 11 a.m. here at the Pavilion. And let me tell you, if you have never been to that banquet, ladies, you need to come. Uh, it's it's for, all, for all ladies and uh, the, 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 the ladies that have been involved in that in the past and have attended uh, have a wonderful time and so we want to encourage you to come and be a part of that and also uh, May I believe it's May the 1st I'll have to double check my calendar I didn't get this in the bulletin either but we have a guest speaker coming um, from Rock of Ages Prison Ministry, Brother Wendell Rogers will be here to present his ministry and also to preach for us that morning. Uh, so that'll be coming up in early May as well. So thank you again. It's good to see all of you. And uh, we're going to have our last song before the message here today. And you can remain seated if you'd like. We're going to sing, Tell Me the Story of Jesus. In the songbook, big book, it's page 203. Tell me the story of Jesus.
everybody here this morning. The nursery is now open for those that are uh, five years and under uh, back through these doors. I think Ellen and Marissa are going back there. And if you have a Bible with you this morning, I'd like to ask you to turn to the book of Leviticus in chapter number 23. I'm going to break with our study in Acts here for a few weeks as we near, uh, as we near Easter. And I'd like to encourage you to pick up a Bible here this morning because there will be no uh, verses on the screen here this morning. If you don't have a Bible, there are Bibles in the pew. Uh, if, if, if anybody needs one, just let us know. I'm sure there are, uh, there are plenty enough here to go around. Dear friends, we're privileged to have the Word of God here today. Precious is the Word of the Lord. I'd like to preached you this morning about the feast of the Lord. And if you're one that is given to taking notes, this would be a good day uh, to take notes here this morning. I want you to know as we go into our time here together that the feasts point to God's provision for his people. God has provided for all of his people all that is needed for them. But not only does it point to the uh, provision that God has made for his people, but the feasts also point to the promised Messiah that God uh, has made to us. If you bow your heads with me, please, for just a moment. Father, we want to ask for your blessing to be upon uh, your word today. Father, this is your word that we are opening here this morning. And, uh, Father, we just pray that you would give me recall of the message here today. Lord, that you would open our hearts, you'd open our eyes, and help us to see the Lord Jesus Christ. It's him that we exalt and lift up, and we ask that your Holy Spirit would come now in Jesus' precious name. And they all said, Amen. Amen. Leading up to Leviticus chapter number 3, if you look back in chapter number 22, uh, we understand, first of all, that God was given instruction to Moses and giving instruction to the people. Let me tell you here this morning that all of the Word of God is important. Amen? And I know that there are some books that uh, appear to be more difficult to, to read, maybe, and uh, to keep up with than others. Leviticus is, is full of, of law and other things, but let me tell you before the Lord that the book of Leviticus is important. Let me encourage you today uh, not to avoid certain parts of Scripture just because it's harder to understand. When we come across something that's hard to understand, we need to pray and ask God to help us. Amen? We've already done that here this morning, but leading up in, in Leviticus chapter number 22, uh, we understand, first of all, that priests have responsibilities. And there's a certain way that the word of the Lord was to be ministered and the service of the Lord was to be carried out. And in chapter number 22, uh, first of all, it talks about uh, separation. He says there in verse 2, speak unto Aaron and to his sons. Aaron was the high priest. 
And his sons were also priests. He says, speak to them that they separate themselves uh, from the holy things of the children of Israel. The high priest and the priests that are to serve are to be separated. And uh, so there's separation. And then also um, there it, it talks about their speaking because it says that they profane not my holy name in the things which they hallow unto me, for I am the Lord. It was important that the priests would be separated. It was important what they would say, what they would speak, and it's still important today. Amen? Uh, not only uh, were those things important, but then later in the chapter, he talks about the sacrifices and how those are to be carried out. It is important. Uh, each and every one of these details, the priest have responsibilities, but dear friends, let me tell you before the Lord today that the priests are not the only ones with responsibilities. The people have responsibilities also. And if you look at the beginning of uh, chapter number 23, that's the, the chapter that we're going to be in today, uh, we see that the people have responsibility too. The Bible says in verse number one that the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto who? The children of Israel. Uh, he is speaking speaking to the people and say unto them concerning the feast of the Lord that you shall proclaim to be holy convocations even these are my feasts six days shall work be done but the seventh day is the Sabbath of rest a holy convocation and you shall do no work therein it is the Sabbath of the Lord and all of your dwellings I want to tell you before the Lord today that the first uh, holy convocation and let me explain that word. It just means a holy assembly. The people were to be assembled together, and it was to be a holy assembly. And that word feast that we see, the feast of the Lord, it just means an appointed time. When we hear the word feast, we always think of food. And, and many of these did include food, but not all of them included food. Uh, what, what the Lord was saying to Moses is these are the appointed times of the Lord. And I want to tell you the first and the most important uh, uh appointed time for us today is the Sabbath day. We need to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Amen. And the Lord says that the people should gather today. He says, six days shalt thou work. Uh, and, and, that, and that word work uh, means that your public business and your private business. The Lord has given you six days in a week for you to work, for you to labor, for you to earn a living, for you to mow your grass, for you to take care of your family and responsibilities that you have, but the Sabbath day is the Lord's. Amen. It is a day that should be holy and it should be kept and people ought to be assembled together. Amen. And I'll tell you what, it bothers me when I hear people say that I believe in the Lord and I have trust in him, uh, but I don't think I need to go to church. My dear friend, if you don't want to be with the Lord on the Sabbath day, what makes you think you're going to want to spend eternity with him? If you don't want to gather with the Lord on the Sabbath day, if you don't want to worship him now, what makes you think you're going to want to worship him later? If you don't want to be in his presence uh, on the Sabbath day, what makes you think you're going to want to be in his presence for all eternity? We ought to put away the things that uh, distract us and keep us from serving and worshiping the Lord. And the Sabbath day ought to be kept as the Lord's day. Amen. Amen. It's his day the day for rest, by the way. I don't know about you, but I need the Sabbath day. 
I need to be in the presence of the Lord. It's about rest. I need to rest. And how resting it is for me to come into his presence and to put away the thoughts and the cares of the world. Listen to me. Uh, sufficient for the day is the evil thereof. Amen. Uh, Monday morning, tomorrow morning, the cares of the world are going to be there to greet us. But bless God, he gave us a day of rest where we could put these things away and uh, focus our attention on him. It's about rest. And it's also about respect. Our country and our people and our families ought to remember that they ought to respect the Lord and keep that holy which he has appointed unto himself. The Sabbath day, it's the, the Jewish word Shabbat. It is the Sabbath of the Lord. But he goes on, beginning there in verse 4. This is the, uh, the first feast that he mentions here. After the Sabbath, he says, These are the feasts of the Lord, even holy convocations, which ye shall proclaim in their seasons. And in the fourteenth day of the month, of the first month, at even is the Lord's Passover. Now, you need to remember that the Feast of the Lord, these are very closely related to agriculture. God is a God of, 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 of where there's a lot of agricultural imagery that we find in the Bible. Israel is an agricultural nation. And so these feasts would begin in the spring of the year. In the first month, it's the, uh, the, the Hebrew word there is a beeb, or it's, if, if you're looking at the Chaldean word, it's the month Nisan. Uh, sometimes you'll see different names depending on what part of the Bible that you're in. We're in the Hebrew part of the Bible right now. But it was to be the first month of the year. If you go all the way back to Exodus chapter 12, after Israel is delivered from bondage, God is in the process of getting ready to, let me recorrect what I just said. It's not after the delivery. It's during the delivery. This is when God has decided to deliver them from the bondage that they're in in Egypt. And the Lord commands them uh, to take up a lamb unto you on the 10th day of the month and keep it up until the 14th day of the month. There was a lamb that was required as a sacrificial lamb. And the reason that lamb was kept from the 10th day until the 14th day is so that it could be examined to make sure that it was pure and that it was holy, that it was without spot and without blemish. Can I tell you here this morning, folks, that Jesus Christ is our Passover lamb. Amen. Jesus Christ is without spot. He is without blemish. He was without sin. The Bible says that he was tempted like as we were, yet without sin. And he was examined there in, in Israel. He had a, a three-year ministry here on the earth. And the Bible says even in his last days, as he was taken up uh, by the Pharisees and by the, the Sanhedrin, and, and he was put through uh, trial after trial, illegal trials, I might add, and he was examined and yet they could find no fault with him because he is perfect and holy and righteous. He is our Passover lamb. And I want you to know that there is a time of judgment that God has ordained for the world just the way that he did with Egypt uh, and the, the destroyer was going to pass through that night and the, and, and the Lord told Moses in Exodus 12 to tell the people to take the lamb up unto them and to, they were to take it. Uh, they were to examine it. They were to uh, to slay this lamb and then the blood of that lamb had to be applied to the doorpost of their house. And whoever was covered in the blood, when the, when the destroyer passed by, the Lord would pass over their house. 
And, and friend, let me tell you here today that one of these days, uh, God is going to judge the world for sin. And I'm telling you that those that are not found under the blood of Jesus Christ will be destroyed. And not because God wants them to be destroyed. He has provided a lamb. He has provided a sacrifice. But that blood has to be, the sacrifice has to be slain. It has to be accepted. And the blood has to be applied to the doorpost of our heart and our homes. Amen. Amen. And the Lord will pass over. Remember that the Lord's Supper, the last meal that Jesus spent with his disciples was a Passover meal. And imagine sitting there gathered at the table with the Lord and they're celebrating, they're remembering the Passover, the sacrifice that God had ordained unto them. And Jesus is having a last supper with his disciples and he says, take eat. This is my body and drink this. This is my blood shed for you. In other words, Jesus Christ was presenting himself to his disciples as the Passover lamb. Aren't you glad that we have a perfect and holy sacrifice today? Aren't you glad that Jesus is the sinless, spotless son of God, but his blood must be applied? In verse six. The Bible says that on the 15th day of the same month is the feast of unleavened bread unto the Lord. Seven days you must eat unleavened bread. And the first day you shall have a holy convocation. You shall do no servile work therein, but you shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord seven days. And the seventh day is a holy convocation, and you shall do no servile work therein. This feast of unleavened bread, the Bible says, begins on the 15th day of that first month. In other words, the day after the Passover. The very next day was the beginning of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And, and that word, it's the Hebrew word matzah there for unleavened. You might, you might, have, you might have heard people talk about matzah. It's, it's, a, it's a Jewish bread that's without leaven. And um, they would begin this immediately after the Passover. And the Bible says that it began uh, on the Sabbath day and it ended on the Sabbath day. And it was a holy assembly of the people there gathered together. It lasted for an entire week. It was seven days. And they were commanded during this time to eat unleavened bread. In other words, what they would consume during that time. They were not allowed to eat uh, anything with leaven or what we might call yeast today. They were, in other words, they were supposed to purge these things out. If you go back and look in, in other parts of, of, of the Bible here, it talks about the process that they would go through and they would purge their entire house. They weren't even allowed to have leaven in their house, not just in their, in their body. They would go through and look for specks of it, and they would sweep the house out and try to cleanse all of this outside of the house. If there was no leaven, there was no yeast, it was a purging, and the Bible says there was no labor to be done during this time. And my dear friends, I want to tell you that leaven in the Bible is a picture of, of sin oftentimes. And the first thing that we're supposed to do after we have received the Passover, as, as after we have received the sacrifice that God has made for us, if you've tried 
trusted in Jesus, the first thing you ought to do is put sin away from you. Amen? God has set us free from sin, and there is no uh, cause for us to go back to things that God has set us free from. Amen? And so we're supposed to purge these things. We are to put them uh, away from us. And uh, there was an offering that was to be made each and every day. And we are to, as we move from our old life into our new life, we ought to leave some things behind. Amen? And I'll tell you what, there's a lot of Christians today that are being held back in their new life because they're still clinging to things in their old life. That's why Paul would say in the book of Hebrews uh, that we have to lay aside the weight which so easily besets us. Friend, do you need to let go of something today? Is there some sin? Is there some leaven in your life that God has? You might be here today and say, I'm trusting in Jesus Christ, but you're not having victory in Jesus because you're dragging some old things along with you. The Bible tells us to put these things away from us and to be cleansed. And the Feast of Unleavened Bread is about the purging of sin, and we are free from sin, and we ought to stay that way. The next thing that the next feast that was given to Moses was the feast of the first fruits. There in verse number nine, the Bible says that the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them that when you become into the land which I give unto you, and shall reap the harvest thereof, then you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest unto the priest, and he shall wave the sheaf before the Lord to be accepted for you on the morrow. After the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. And you shall offer that day when you wave the sheaf, a he lamb without blemish of the first year for a burnt offering unto the Lord. And the meat offering thereof shall be two tenth deals of fine flour mingled with oil, an offering made by fire unto the Lord for a sweet savor. And the drink offering shall be of wine, the fourth part of the hen. And you shall eat neither bread nor parched corn nor green ears until the selfsame day that you've brought an offering unto your God. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations in all of your dwellings. Now this feast, the Bible says, was to begin on the 16th day of the first month. Remember we had the Passover on the 14th day. And then the Feast of Unleavened Bread begins on the 15th day, and it lasts for a week. And then on the 16th day, in other words, the second day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread was to be the Feast of the first fruits. Now, what's interesting is that all three of these happen back to back. Almost simultaneously, these first three uh, feasts take place. And this is a picture of people that are great to God, uh, giving back to God what has what He has given to them. They're grateful for what God has given them, and so they are making an offering back to Him. And I love what the Bible says. It says, "When you shall come into the land, when you shall come into the land, friends." I want to tell you here today that we were in a land of bondage at one point in time, just like Egypt was. And bless God, the Bible says that He saw us while we were in that place. And not only did He see us, but He came to save us. Amen. He came to deliver us out of that place. And if we will trust Him and follow Him, we can be taken out of that place. 
place of bondage. Uh, but the Lord says here in the Bible that when you come into the land, I'm going to take you into a land where I've already planted for you. You're going to reap a harvest you didn't plant. You're going to live in houses you didn't build. You're going you're gonna to eat fruit that you didn't plant. You're going to have wells that you didn't dig. God has provided for his people. Amen. And uh, when you get to that place, the Bible says that when you get there, that you are going to have a harvest. And when we have placed our trust in Christ, we have not only a new land, but we have a new life. Amen. Amen. I, I praise God that he has given me a new life. I praise God uh, that, that I'm not the person that I used to be and I'm not in the place uh, that I used to be. But when we arrive, the Bible says that it will be harvest time. There's going to be a great harvest when we get to that place. And the Bible says uh, that we are, when we, when we reap this harvest, that we are to grab a sheaf and take it to the priest. Now, you know what a sheaf is? A sheaf is a loosely bound uh, group of grain that has been harvested, that has grown up, and it has been harvested. And we're supposed to gather that. And we are supposed to take it to our high priest. And then the Bible says that the priest is going to wave it before the Lord. Can I tell you today that the feast of first fruits is about resurrection? Amen. The Bible says that the Lord Jesus Christ was the first fruits of them which slept. This is why you'll read in the Bible that people who passed before Jesus Christ was crucified, that they didn't, uh, they didn't go to heaven. Jesus Christ had to be the first fruits of them in heaven. The Bible says that those people were kept in a place called paradise. You can read about that in Luke chapter 16. There was a man named Lazarus that died, and he went, the Bible says, into the bosom of Abraham. And uh, he was there in that place, and Abraham was there in that place. And that's where people were kept until Jesus Christ died uh, and, and went to heaven. And the Bible says that he was the first fruits of them which sleep. But not only is this the picture of Jesus Christ being a first fruit, but friend, after you're saved and after sin has been put away from you, uh, there is a harvest that's coming. We ought to be gathering sheaves and taking them to the Lord. Amen. So that he can present them to God the Father. And we have work to do. We ought to be witnessing. We ought to be sharing Christ with people. And these sheaves are souls that are one that we take to the Lord uh, Jesus Christ. And they become uh, the fruits of our own new ministry. Paul spoke often in the New, in the new Testament uh, about uh, those souls that were fruits of his ministry and uh, labors that he had won uh, for the Lord. And that's the work that we ought to be engaged in as well. Now, the fourth feast, the Bible says, is called the Feast of Weeks. And if you'll look with me in verse 15, the Bible says that you shall count unto you from the morrow after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, seven Sabbaths shall be complete. Even unto the morrow after the seventh Sabbath shall you number fifty days, and you shall offer a new meat offering unto the Lord. You shall bring out of your habitations two wave loaves of two-tenth deals, and they shall be of fine flour. They shall be bacon with leaven. 
They are the first fruits unto the Lord. You shall offer with them the bread, uh, with the bread rather, seven lambs without blemish of the first year, one young bullock and two rams. They shall be for a burnt offering unto the Lord with their meat offering and their drink offerings, even an offering made by fire of sweet savor unto the Lord. Then shall you sacrifice one kid of the goats for a sin offering, and two lambs of the first year for a sacrifice of peace offerings. And the priest shall wave them with the bread of the first fruits for a wave offering before the Lord with two lambs. They shall be holy to the Lord for the priest. And you shall proclaim on a selfsame day that it may be a holy convocation unto you. You shall do no servile work therein. It shall be a statue forever in all your dwellings throughout your generations. And when you reap the harvest of your land, thou shalt not make clean riddance of the corners of thy field when thou reapest. Neither shalt thou gather any gleaning of thy harvest. Thou shalt leave them unto the poor and to the stranger, for I am the Lord your God. Now there's a lot going on here in this Feast of Weeks. Why do they call it the Feast of Weeks? Well, it says you're going to count on the day after the morrow, seven Sabbaths. Sabbath happens when? Once a week, right? What are seven sevens? 49. And he says on the day after the morrow. So 49 plus one. Don't make me take my shoes off. How much does that make? That makes 50. The Bible says here you're going to count 50 days. And, and I want you to know that this marks the end of the first harvest, the end of the spring harvest. Remember I said this happens at the beginning of the year. All four of these first feasts happen in the spring. They're part of the spring harvest. And the time, this 50 days, extends from the first fruits. Who's the first fruit? Christ. 50 days extends from the first fruits, from the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, until 50 days have passed. Does that ring a bell with anybody here today? Uh, you might read Acts chapter number 1 and Acts chapter number 2, the day of Pentecost. As a matter of fact, uh, the number 50 means Pentecost in, in their language. And 50 days from the day that Jesus Christ uh, was resurrected again, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit came. Amen. Uh, the Pentecost was the giving of the Holy Spirit. And it says that at that day there will be a new offering. In other words, something new, something different is going to happen at that time. And the Bible says that the people were to come out of their habitations. You're going to come out of the places that you've been in. And we see the wave loaves again. Now you might have noticed that this time there's not one wave loaf, but there are two wave loaves. Last time there was one, this time, and by the way, last time it was a sheaf that was waved, and there was one of them. Now it's a loaf that is waved, and there are two of them. The Bible's very uh, uh, descriptive of the ingredients. The Bible says that there are two tenth deals of fine flour. Now, a tenth deal, the word that's used in Hebrew to describe a tenth deal, it's the same word that describes sheaves. And I thought that was interesting. In other words, there are two sheaves that come together to make these loaves. Amen? Trust me, I'm going somewhere with this. The Bible also says that these were baked with leaven. 
Remember before they were putting leaven away from them because leaven represents sin. But these now have leaven. The first fruits have come to harvest. Dear friends, this is a picture of the church. On the day of Pentecost, it was not just that the Holy Spirit was given, but it was also that the New Testament church was born. And the New Testament church is made up of who? Everybody who will believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Salvation for the Jews and the Gentiles, for whosoever will believe. This is why there are two sheaves that are brought together in, into this loaf. Uh, this loaf is are the ingredients mixed together, and the reason it has leaven is because even though the church is the bride of Christ, we know that there is sin in the church, isn't there? We're not perfect. Yet, but one day uh, we shall be. And so it was on that day that the Holy Spirit was given. It was on that day of Pentecost that the church was born. And the Bible says that when this happened, there would be two sacrifices. There would be a sacrifice for sin and there would be a sacrifice for peace. And let me tell you that the Lord wants the church to be without sin as much as possible. And he wants the church to be in peace. Amen. We ought to be at peace with one another. We're not to have ought against our brother. If you have ought against your brother, you ought to go to your brother and deal with it before you go to the Lord. Amen. Because we should be a peaceful people. We ought to have love for one another. And I love the fact, dear friends, that not only was the church marked by uh, a, a, a purging of sin, uh, not only are we marked by peace, but I love that last verse that talked about the gleaning, uh, leaving something for those that are in need. The church uh, ought to be marked by mercy. Amen. And for caring for those that are in need. And I'm so grateful to have the church that we have here. I believe that you do love uh, people that are in need. We love one another. We're trying to help as many people as we can. But he also said that these things shall be holy to the Lord. The church ought to be holy. Amen. The way that you live your life is important. The things that you do, the decisions that you make, the choices that you make, they are important because if you are a born-again believer and you are a member of the church, the things that you do affect the church and we ought to be holy uh, individually so that we can be holy together. Amen? Let me encourage you today to keep yourself holy and pure before the Lord. Four feasts. Remember, I told you to pay attention to the agriculture. God is a God of agriculture. Israel was a, uh, a nation of agriculture. The Bible uses many agricultural uh, notations. There was a spring harvest. I want you to know because of the weather that they have that Israel also has a fall harvest. There's a spring harvest and there's a fall harvest. In other words, there's two groups. There are spring feasts. And there are fall feasts, two groups. Now we move into those that begin in the fall. The Bible speaks of there in verse 23, the first of those is the Feast of Trumpets. The Bible says in verse 23 that the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, in the first day of the month, shall you have a Sabbath, a memorial of blowing of trumpets, a holy convocation. You shall do no servile work therein, but you shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. I want you to notice there's a long pause between these two. The other feast, remember the first one began in the first month. 
month in the, in the 14th day, and then the first month in the 15th day, and then the first month in the, uh, in the 16th day, and then the last one being the Feast of Weeks was 50 days after that. I didn't do the math to see whether that fell in the second or third month, but somewhere in there. I'm, I'm guessing that I think the Jewish calendar was, was it 29 days maybe? And so two to three months to seven months, we've got a long pause. Where there are, there are no, no feasts during that time. But there certainly is activity going on during that appointed time. You get to the seventh month. It's, it's the Hebrew month Tishri, or Ethanum, if you're looking at the Chaldean calendar. It's the first day of that seventh month. And the Bible uh, points out that this, that this signified the end of the agricultural year. This was the end, in other words, of the growing season. And at that time, they would come together, and the Bible says that there was to be a memorial or a remembrance, and they would come together and they would blow trumpets there at that time. Now, another thing that Jewish people knew that were accustomed to these feasts is that when you got to the blowing of the trumpets, or the Feast of Trumpets, as we call it, then you also knew that the Day of Atonement was near. The Day of Atonement would come uh, right after that. And the Bible says that there was no labor that was to be done. There was a holy assembly as they were a holy convocation. As they're gathered together, uh, there were offerings that were to be made. And dear friends, I want to tell you that this is a picture of the rapture of the church. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4 that the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. The dead in Christ shall rise first, and then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And you know when the rapture is going to come? It's going to come at the end of the growing season, after the last harvest. Amen. The, the harvest will end and Jesus Christ will come back when that last uh, person is saved, the last Gentile is saved, when the time of Gentiles has come to a close. Jesus Christ will return and gather his people unto himself. You know what question I pondered from time to time? I wonder who that last Gentile is. Do you ever wonder about that? We know from the Bible that all the prophecy that God has made about things that would take place before the last days, they've been fulfilled. What's keeping him from coming? It's not a, a, a lack of fulfillment of prophecy. You know what's keeping him from coming? Mercy and love. Because there are some people that are not saved, that are not under the blood of Christ, that have not accepted Him, that have not asked for forgiveness of their sins. And because of that, they are outside of grace, they are outside of salvation, and therefore if something would happen to them, they would spend an eternity in a terrible place called hell. But because of His love and mercy, He is waiting. Dear friend, could that person be you? Are you the one that he's waiting on to make your heart right with him by, by, by allowing it to be covered in the blood of Jesus Christ? Friend, I, I'll tell you what, I, you, couldn't, you couldn't give me all the money in the world to delay that decision. 
You couldn't do anything to cause me to put that off. If I thought my soul was in danger of hellfire for all in eternity, there's not a thing in this world that could keep me from giving my heart to Christ. Amen. Let me ask you before the Lord today, what could possibly be so important in your life that you think is reasonable to keep you from giving your heart to Jesus? Friend, it's not worth eternity and it's not worth your soul. Jesus Christ is going to come again and take his church out of this place. And the trumpet's going to blow. It's going to sound here one of these days. And the offering that will go will be our bodies as we go up to meet the Lord in the air. I'm looking forward uh, to that day. Now next we have the, the day of atonement. The day of atonement, the Bible says in verse number 26, the Lord spake to Moses saying also on the 10th day of the seventh month, there shall be a day of atonement. It shall be a holy convocation unto you and you shall afflict your souls and offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. And you shall do no work in the same day for it is a day of atonement to make an atonement for you before the Lord your God. For whatsoever soul it shall be that shall not be afflicted in that same day, he shall be cut off from among his people. And whatsoever soul it shall be that doeth any work in that same day, the same soul will I destroy from among his people. You shall do no manner of work. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations in all your dwellings. And it shall be unto you a Sabbath of rest. And you shall afflict your souls in the ninth day of the month at even uh, from even unto even shall you celebrate your uh, celebrate your Sabbath. This day is the day that the Jews call Yom Kippur. The word Yom meaning time. The word Kippur meaning atonement. The time of atonement. By the way, I forgot to point out to you the last one. The Feast of Trumpets is Rosh Hashanah, if you've ever heard of that before. Yom Kippur, the time of atonement. This was the most solemn and the most holy of all the feast of Israel. And, and the Bible uh, uh, says this is called the day of atonement. Remember I said that the word feast means uh, appointed times. It was an appointed time for atonement. It took place on the 10th day of the seventh month and the high priest was highly involved in this. We're not going to have time to go there today, but if you'd like to read more about the day of atonement, you can find it uh, in Leviticus chapter number 16. But this was a day that came once a year and uh, there were no labor to be done by any of the people. It's not by our own efforts, let me tell you, that we are cleansed from our sin. There's nothing that you can do other than trust in Jesus to be cleansed from your own sin. But there was uh, a lot of effort that was put into the cleansing. The, the priest had to cleanse himself before he could go in to the Holy of Holies. And he had to make a sacrifice for himself before he could go into the Holy of Holies. Why? Because he's a man. There's not a man on the face of the earth uh, that is without sin except for Jesus Christ. Uh, and dear friend, this is where we differ from the Catholics. You don't need to profess your sin to a man. You don't need to go in there and, and have a man that is a mediator between you and God. We have one that does that. His name is Jesus Christ. And let me tell you, he doesn't need to cleanse himself before he goes into the Holy of Holies. 
and he doesn't need to make a sacrifice for himself because he is pure and sinless and holy and blameless before God. The sacrifice that he made was not for him. It was for you and me. Amen. And bless God, his precious blood was poured out when he died on Calvary. And my Bible says that at the moment that happened, that the, the veil in the temple, there was a veil there in the Holy of Holies, that place that only the high priest could go to make an atonement for sin. The Bible says that in the temple in Jerusalem, that that veil, uh, I've heard it said that it was 60 feet high and three to four inches thick. And that veil was a picture of the separation that comes between you and, 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 and me and a holy God, because sin separates us from a holy God. But let me tell you that the blood of Jesus Christ gives us access to a holy God. And that veil, the Bible says, was rent in two, and it wasn't rent from the bottom up. There wasn't a man that, that tore that veil. It was rent from the top down. The Lord God himself tore that veil open at the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Amen. The high priest in Israel would have to go in there every year and make an atonement for himself and make an atonement for the people. That day of atonement didn't put away sin. It just put it off for a year. And then he would have to come again the next year and they would do the same thing. And this went on year after year after year. But friend, can I tell you, the book of Hebrews says that Jesus Christ went in one time. And he made an offering for sin. And Jesus doesn't have to go again. Jesus paid a price that lasts forever. Amen? And he paid a price that lasts forever. He paid a price that's paid in full. Uh, nothing else has to be done to pay for our sin other than receiving the sacrifice that Jesus Christ has made for you and me. They would come together as a holy assembly. And the sacrifice was made. Uh, and we need to understand two things about this. One uh, was about the atonement. There were two goats that were used in this atonement. And we know that one of these was a sin goat. In other words, the, the, it was a picture of the sacrificial lamb. They would take this goat and, 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 and the sins of the, of the people were confessed and this goat was slain and the blood was taken from his sacrifice and it was put on the altar there uh, on the mercy seat. Aren't you glad that God dwells in a mercy seat and not a judgment seat? Amen. Amen. For those that trust in Him. But then there was a second goat. This, this goat was a scapegoat. And the high priest would lay his hands on the head of this goat and he would confess the sins of the children of Israel. And then they would take that goat and they would take it far out away into the wilderness. And dear friends, that's a picture of what God does with our sin. When we confess our sin before God, the Bible says that, that he puts it as far away from us as the east is from the west. Aren't you glad that if we confess our sin to God, it gets buried in a grave of his forgetfulness? Amen. Yes. Not to be brought up anymore. Listen to me. If you have confessed your sin to God and it keeps coming up in your mind for some reason, that's not from the Lord, that's from Satan. Satan's an accuser, the Bible says. He likes to accuse the brethren. When Satan comes to you and tries to accuse you of sins that you've committed that are under the blood of Jesus Christ, you tell Satan uh, that, that Jesus Christ has already paid for my sin. You have no authority. Uh, you get out of here, Satan. Jesus Christ has taken care of my sin problem. Amen? God has put it away from us. But it's also not only about atonement, but it's about affliction. 
They were supposed to, to afflict themselves, the Bible says, that we read. And, and the Bible says that those that are not afflicted and those that are not humbled are destroyed. And you have to remember that at this time, the church has already been raptured. That happened at the Feast uh, of the Trumpets. And so why, why is there such a great uh, affliction that's going on here at this day of atonement? The time of the Gentiles, in other words, has uh, come to a close. You might have read in Romans chapter number 11, the Bible talks about uh, the fact that all Israel shall be saved in the last days, dear friends. When the, when the church is raptured out of here, when the, the time of Gentiles comes to a close, salvation, which by the way is of the Jews, is going to turn back to the Jews. Right now, most Jews don't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. There are a few Messianic Jews, but most people don't believe that he's the Messiah. And because they rejected, the Bible says he came unto his own and his own received him not. He came to the Jews and they didn't believe in him. They didn't receive him. And so salvation turned to the Gentiles. But in the last day, the Gentiles will be raptured out of here and all believers of Christ. Salvation will turn back to the Jews and Jews will turn to the Savior. Amen. And all Israel will be saved. This is a, uh, a picture, dear friends, of the time of tribulation, the time that the Bible calls uh, Jacob's trouble. There's going to be a time uh, so bad on the face of the earth, there'll be a seven-year period. Uh, the Bible says that except that time be shortened, that all flesh would perish from the face of the earth. But those that are afflicted and those that are humbled and those that trust in Christ during that day, there will be multitudes that will be saved. Of every nation, of every tongue, and of every kindred. I want to tell you that Jesus Christ is our high priest. Hebrews 7 says that for such a high priest became us who was holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners and made higher than the heavens who needeth not daily is those high priests to offer up sacrifice uh, first for his own sins and then for the people's for this he did once when he offered up himself. Now, I want to tell you before the Lord today that if Jesus Christ wasn't the Son of God and if He wasn't sinless, then He can't help us. There's not a man on the face of this earth that can help you with your sin. I don't care what preacher or how many followers he has or what priest or what pope or whatever person it is. You need the Lord Jesus Christ and he alone is able to save you and cleanse you of your sin. Amen. Period. Amen. And don't you put a question mark where God has put a period. That is it. And so Israel will go through great tribulation along with others here in the world. The last feast here, the Feast of Tabernacles, we find beginning there in verse number 33, it says that the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, The fifteenth day of this seventh month shall be the Feast of Tabernacles for seven days unto the Lord. On the first day shall be a holy convocation. You shall do no servile work therein. Seven days you shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. On the eighth day shall be a holy convocation unto you. And you shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. It is a solemn assembly, and you shall do no servile work therein. These are the feasts of the Lord, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations, to offer an offering made by fire to the Lord, a burnt offering, a meat offering, a sacrifice, and drink offerings, everything upon his day. 
beside the Sabbath of the Lord and beside your gifts and beside all your vows and beside your free will offerings which you give unto the Lord. Also in the fifteenth day of the seventh month, when you've gathered in the fruit of the land, you shall keep a feast unto the Lord seven days. And on the first day shall be a Sabbath, and on the eighth day shall be a Sabbath. And you shall take you on the first day the boughs of goodly trees, branches of palm trees, and the boughs of thick trees, and willows of the brook. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God seven days. You shall keep it a feast unto the Lord seven days in the year, uh, and it shall be a statue forever in your generations. You shall celebrate it in the seventh month, and you shall dwell in booths seven days. <coughs> the Feast of Tabernacles. The Bible says that this would happen on the 15th day, the seventh month. It was going to last for seven days. Like some of the others, there was no laboring to be done. There were offerings that were going to last for all seven days, or each of those seven days, rather. And it says that this is a solemn assembly. For some reason, this one is pointed out as a little bit different, something special, a special assembly. And we know, first of all, that it was a picture of the nation of Israel as they wandered in the wilderness. The Bible says that they lived and they dwelt in tabernacles or in uh, temporary huts that they lived in. They called them booths. Sometimes you'll hear this called the, uh, the Feast of Booths or the Feast of Tabernacles. And they lived in these before they went to the promised land. Remember when they got to the promised land, the Bible said that there are going to be houses there waiting for you that you didn't build. But you're not there just yet. So we're living in temporary housing until we get to the promise that God has made for his people. And the Bible says that this was to be proclaimed. Again, there was a holy assembly as they were all gathered together. Uh, they started with the holy assembly. They ended with the holy assembly. And it says that besides everything else that you've done, all of your uh, gifts and all of your vows and all of your free will offerings, uh, these are the things that are going to take place. And it says that this will happen after the fruit has been gathered in. Because of this, some people call this the Feast of Ingathering. So you get a picture. It's the Feast of Trumpets. The trumpet's going to blow. The church is going to be raptured. Dear friend, it could happen while I'm talking right now. That's how close I believe we are. We're going to be taken out of this place. While we're taken out of this place, there's going to be a great tribulation here on the earth. But we know that because of the rapture, the fruit is going to be gathered in. Amen? The fruits are going to be gathered in, and when the fruits are going to be gathered in, the Bible says that during that time there's going to be a seven-day, or I might say a seven-year, uh, long feast, a special assembly. And you know what the Bible talks about? My Bible says in the book of Revelation that when the church is gathered together in glory, that we're going to have a special feast. It's called the Marriage Supper of the Lamb. And we're going to be gathered there with the Lord Jesus Christ and all of those that have trusted in him, all of his prophets and all of his apostles and all of those people uh, that are born again believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. After the fruit is gathered, after the road is traveled, after all of this is over, we are going to keep a feast. And actually the word that's used for feast this time is a different word and it means a pilgrim feast. 
The other feast word, remember I told you it meant an appointed time. But this feast word means a pilgrim feast. Do you know if you're a born-again believer in Jesus Christ that we're strangers and pilgrims in this land? Amen. But the Lord has ordained a feast for those that love Him. Uh, the eye hasn't seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love Him. But we get a picture, uh, just a little picture of it here today. And uh, dear friends, not only is this a picture of the marriage supper of the Lamb, I believe this is a picture of the millennial reign of Christ. We have been living in temporary housing, but God has a place prepared for us. Jesus said uh, that he would come again and receive us unto himself. And when we are in that place with him, Jesus Christ, not only are we going to tabernacle with him, but he's going to tabernacle with us. Amen. He's going to dwell with us and live with us forever, uh, forever. And the Bible says that there will be rejoicing and there will be feasting because we will be with him. Praise the Lord. I don't know about you, but there are times when I cry out to the Lord and I say, Lord, I've, I've seen just about enough. We get tired. We get weary. We go through some difficult things here in this place. Not only things that we're experiencing, but things that we're seeing. Our hearts break for the for the evil. I heard the other day that they're trying to put a, a law through the land now that would allow children, and they're still calling it abortion, up to 28 days after the child has been born. After the child has been born, they, they, there's a law that they're trying to put through to say that it would be legal to do that. I was talking with somebody about this recently, and I said, you have to be careful not to think that this is any more evil than it is any other time, because I'm telling you, if you abort a baby one minute after it was conceived, it's murder. It's murder at conception. It's murder after it's born. It doesn't matter when it is. It's murder. It's evil, and it's wrong. And I hear things like that, and my heart just aches. You say, Lord, how long? I want you to know that whatever you're going through today and the things that we're seeing and things that we're experiencing, it's all going to be worth it. God has provided for his children. God has kept his promises. He sent his Messiah. Just you got to remember when these words were written, Jesus Christ did not come yet. This was written to Moses thousands of years before Jesus Christ would set face on the face of the earth. And these two groups that we're talking about, by the way, remember I said there was a spring harvest and a fall harvest. There was spring feast. There was a fall feast. There was a gap of time in between those two. That gap of time is the church age, which we live in now. And I'm telling you because we can look back and see what God promised before has happened exactly as he said it would. You can bet your bottom dollar that what God has promised yet will happen as he said. Amen. Do you believe him? Dear friend, I want to encourage you today to place your trust in the Lord. And we're not obligated by the law to keep these feasts the way they were then in that, in that day. But we are obligated to learn. Amen. These 
feast, our appointed times, they're a, a, a foreshadow of Christ. It's for us to remember that God has provided for His children, that He sent His Messiah, that the promise of what is yet to come will be fulfilled. And we, dear church, are to be a holy assembly where two or three are gathered in my name. Where's Jesus? He's right in the midst. Where's Jesus in these feasts? He's everywhere. He's right in the midst of them. And every one of these holy assemblies, every one of these holy convocations, we see the Lord Jesus Christ. On the Sabbath day, Christ is our rest. Uh, on the Passover, Christ is the Lamb of God. For the, the Feast of Unleavened Bread is Christ that cleanses us from sin and encourages us to put it away. The Feast of first fruits, Christ is, uh, He is resurrected. The first fruit of them which sleep in the Feast of Weeks, we see the, gold, the giving of the Holy Spirit just as Christ had promised. The Feast of Trumpets is the rapture. Uh, the Day of Atonement is the tribulation that Christ promised. And the Feast of Tabernacles is His millennial reign. Two groups. The first four feasts point to the first coming of Christ. The last three point to the second coming of Jesus Christ. Did you know, dear friend, that... The Bible talks about Christ's second coming twice as much as it does his first coming. And Jesus Christ is coming again. The first coming is the source of our hope. The second coming is the promise of what is yet to come. As we stand together here this morning, if you're able to, I told you that the Bible says that that last feast is going to be a pilgrim's feast. God has set a place around the table for all of his children. I believe he has room for all of us, don't you, Brother Kenny? Amen. I, you know what? I believe, he, I believe there's more room than there are people that are going to sit in their seats. It saddens me to say that. I believe that God has made place for people that He wants to be gathered there at that table. And I think about sitting there at that table, and friend, I've, I've got some people that I miss. I've got some people that I love, that I know love the Lord Jesus Christ. I can see my folks sitting there at that table. There are friends of mine that have gone on to that place. There are dear church members that we miss that have gone on to that place. I've got neighbors, and, and, and you know what? There are people there that I haven't even met yet that are going to be seated there that I, I can't wait to meet the Apostle Paul. My Bible says that Jesus is going to gird himself, and he's going to serve us. I can see my place sitting there at that table. I've made my reservation. Friend, what about you? Is your seat going to have somebody sitting in it? Or is your seat going to remain empty? The choice is up to you. God's provided. If your seat goes empty, it's not because He hasn't made a way for you. He loves you. His mercy has been waiting on you to accept His gracious offer. <laughs> Salvation is not a, a bad thing. Admitting your sin before God is a good thing. So that He can take it, He can cleanse it, it's covered under the blood, you can put it away from you as far as the east is from the west. Friend, if you need to be saved today, 
It doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't matter how old you are. I know you have to realize that you're a sinner. Listen, we've all sinned. We've all fallen short. We've, we've said things in anger. We've done things in anger. We've, we've taken things. We've lied. We've done all sorts of things. Jesus came to pay for that sin. Would you let him do it? We're going to sing together here this morning uh, a song of invitation. And if you want to receive Christ today, uh, all you have to do is, is just cry out to him and say, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus said to whosoever calls upon my name, I will in no wise cast them out. Amen. Would you make a decision for Christ today? Come as we sing. Blessed Redeemer. Up Calvary's mountain, one dreadful morn, walk Christ my Savior, weary and worn, facing for sinners, death on the cross, that he might save them from endless loss. Blessed Redeemer, precious Redeemer, seems now I see The Bible says that Jesus Christ is at the right hand of the Father, ever making intercession for us. He's praying for you, friend, that you might receive salvation. No one but Jesus ever loved so. Blessed Redeemer, precious Redeemer. Seems now I see him on Calvary's tree, wounded and bleeding for sinners pleading, blind and unheeding, dying for me. Would you bow your heads with me this morning, friends? Every head bowed and no one looking around here this morning. Dear friend, if you're here today and you need the Lord Jesus Christ, would you just slip your hand up and allow me to pray for you? The Lord has called us here today because of his great love and his mercy for you. And if you would just open the door of your heart, if you would just open up your heart and allow his love to flood your soul, to flood your life, Jesus Christ would come in and take up residence in your heart. He would save you from sin and, and be your Lord and your Savior and your God for all of eternity. 
And friend, you can become an heir to all the promises that he's made, uh, just as the Lord made to all of these. Is there anybody here today that would say, I need to give my heart to Jesus? Just slip up your hand and I'd be happy to pray for you. Father, we're grateful for your word today. We're grateful, Lord, for the picture that you've given us through these feasts of what you've already done for us, Lord, of what you're doing for us and what you're going to do. Father, I pray uh, that if there be any in our presence today uh, that are without Jesus right now, that you would just prick them in the heart, Lord. You would encourage them to consider their end, uh, Lord, and to remember uh, that we're just flesh that we need a Savior. Thank you for sending Jesus, Lord. Lord, thank you for making a sacrifice for us. And I pray, Father, that you'd help us to live a life that's pleasing unto you. And, uh, Lord, a life that points to Jesus. That everything we do and say would not only honor Jesus, but that it would lead others to him. Bless us now, Lord, as we go to our homes. Bring us back tonight, Lord, that we may study your word together, that we may be a holy assembly once again. Lord, this is the Lord's day, and you are the Lord our God. Help us to honor you in this day, and uh, Father, help us to gather again. We love you, we praise you, and we ask all these things in the precious, the powerful, and the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Amen. I brought an HDMI cord to figure out that other TV. But